Well, we are going to be in Numbers chapter 14 this morning, so maybe you want to take out your phone and open up that Bible app, or you want to grab one of the Bibles that are in the chairs in front of you. If you grab one of those black chair Bibles, we're on page 122. In just a few minutes, we will be there. But Numbers chapter 14, uh, we're going to be in today. It's been about seven months since we've, my wife Lori and I and our family have been here in Burlington on a Sunday morning, and when we planted our Belmont location uh, almost four years ago now, which is hard to believe in two weeks, it'll have been four years since we started that location, uh, when we planted that, we said we were going to, at once every uh, seven or eight weeks, I would preach here in Burlington, and Pastor Rick would preach in Belmont. But we've had this long span of seven months where we haven't done this, and some of you have asked me why. It's resulted in it's resulted in the fact that uh, some of you I've never met before. We're meeting for the very first time this morning, and some of you have come up to me and said, "Why has it been Why has it been so long?" Some of you were excited about that, so I think there was a disappointment. You saw me this morning, and you're like, "Oh, it's been a long time, but it's great to see you." <laughs> Well, I'll just uh, peel back the curtain and, uh, peel back and let you know what happened. What happened is I came to Pastor Rick a few months ago, and I said to Pastor Rick, who, if you're visiting with us, is the senior pastor of our church and pastor here in Burlington, I said, I said you know, it's been a few weeks. I'd love, to, I'd love to come back and preach in Burlington. And he said to me, he said, listen, we got together, we had a focus group, and here's what we think. We, we, we think maybe someday you can come back, but right now, you're just not ready. And I was a little confused by that, and I, and I said, well, you know, I think my first sermon on this platform was in 2005. You know, it's been a, it's been a while. I've been, I've been doing this for a while. What do you mean? He said, well, listen, after the last time, we just, we just feel like you're not ready. So I said, how about this? I'm going to work really hard on a sermon. I'm going to submit it to you. I want you to read it. I want you to look over it. And then you tell me, you tell me if it's good enough. So I worked and worked and worked. And I brought a sermon to him, and I slid it across his desk. And he looked at it, and he read, and he looked up at me, and I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you're still, you're still not ready. And so I went back and I said, I'll, I'll revise, I'll think more, I'll pray more. And I worked and I worked and I worked and I slid the sermon across his desk a few weeks later and he looked at it and he read it and he said, you know, you're, not, you're just not ready yet. And I said, but I really want to do it. And he said, it's not there yet. And I said, I said well, let me give one more shot at it. So I, I worked again and I brought it back a few weeks later and he said, you're still not there. You're not ready. And finally, in my frustration and in my anguish, I said to him, I want this so bad that if you let me preach in Burlington, I'll forgo my salary that week. And he said, now you're ready. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. What do you do? What do you do when you ask God for something? And he says, you're not ready. Now that's just a joke. The truth is there's been things happening on Sundays here and in Belmont that made it hard to switch. But what do you do? A very real thing that happens is we go to God and we say to God, I want this. I want it. My life would be better if I had it. And God very often turns back to us and he says, no, or he says, not yet. Or he comes back to us with some plan that seems far more difficult to us than we ever thought it would be. See, because we've started to follow God. If you're someone that calls yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, my guess is when you made that decision to follow Jesus with your life, 
And if you're here this morning and you haven't yet chosen or made that decision to follow Jesus with your life, a lot of what we're going to talk about is insider information this morning. And for those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus and and call ourselves Christians, but even if you have not made that decision, I'm glad that you're here because we're going to peel back the curtain a little bit and talk about some things. But when we made that decision, when you made that decision, whether it was last month or you made it a year ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago, you did that partly because you believed that if you made that decision, life would get better. That someone said to you, are you unhappy? Well, follow Jesus and you'll be happy. Are you you lacking provision? Well, come to God and he'll provide for you. Do you wish that relationship would be fixed or reconciled? And, and, and they said, well, come and follow God and he'll fix it all. And so you did. And you started to follow Jesus Christ with your life and you got into it. And you said, okay, God, would you heal? Would you bring provision? Would you bring restoration? Would you bring reconciliation? Would you fix what is broken in my life? And God came back and said, not yet. And it can be a challenging thing, can't it, when we feel like God should do something for us, but God's plan is more difficult and more delayed than we ever thought it should be. That creates problems for us. And what do you do? What do you do in your walk with God when you know that there's something good out there that God has for you, but God has a process that is more difficult and longer than you ever thought it would be. Have you ever felt like you're wandering in your faith with God? Have you ever felt stuck? What do we do in those moments? We say, God, I thought if I followed you, I thought if we did things this way, that you would fix it and that you would make things right, and God is taking his time. This morning, we're going to look at a group of people who faced a situation exactly like that. And we're going to take a look at one specific moment in their journey with God where everything came to a head because they wanted what God had for them, but God's plan was far more difficult and far longer than they wanted it to be. And we're going to ask this question, what do we do in our lives when we want something that God has for us? And God looks at us and says, not yet. We're here in Numbers chapter 14, and let me just, let me tell you a little bit about what's happened. Let me give you some of the backstory. Even if you're not someone that's very familiar with the Bible, you may know parts of this story. About 1,500 years before Jesus walked on the face of this earth, about 3,500 years ago from this day, God's people, the Israelites, the Jewish people, were enslaved in Egypt under Pharaoh. And God sent one man to go and to lead his people, the Israelites, out of enslavement in Egypt, where they had been for 400 years, out of enslavement in Egypt, and to a land that he had promised to the people generations earlier, a land that is often called in the Bible the promised land or Canaan. And so you have the Israelites, there's hundreds of thousands of people enslaved in Egypt, and God sends Moses. And some of you know the story that Moses comes and God sends 10 plagues to change Pharaoh's heart. And finally, Pharaoh says, take your people 
and go. And so Moses begins to lead the people out of Egypt. And it's not a simple thing. It's hundreds of thousands of people, men and women and children and livestock and all of their possessions traveling across the desert and traveling across the wilderness. And you may know the stories. They go through the Red Sea and then they're given the Ten Commandments. And when we catch up with this group in Numbers chapter 14 here, it's been a little over two years since they left Egypt. So put yourself in that situation. Moses comes to the people and he sells them on this idea. You follow me. I'm going to get us out of Egypt. I'll get you out of slavery. God is going to lead us to the promised land that he's promised our people generations earlier. And so you finally get on board and you say, all right, Moses, we're going to trust God with you. And God gets you out of Egypt. And then for over two years, you were walking through the wilderness and through the desert. And some days great things happen, like God gives you the Ten Commandments. But most days, most days, you're just trying to keep an eye on your kids, trying to keep an eye on your possessions. And the process is grueling and brutal, and provisions are scarce. And the people have been walking for over two years when finally they get to a place where God says to Moses, Pick out 12 spies, send them into the promised land, send them into Canaan so that they can see what it is that I'm promising my people. And so after, after two years, over two years, these 12 spies, they go into the promised land and they spend 40 days looking around the promised land, seeing the people who are living there, looking at all the good things that it offers, the provision that's there that's not in the wilderness, and they come back to the people and they give a report to the people. And do you know what they say? Basically, they say to the people, God has brought us here, led us in the desert for two years so that we can all die. They walked into the promised land. They happened to notice that the people living in the promised land didn't look like people that have been living in the desert for over two years. People that, look, that have been living in the wilderness for over two years are weak and worn out and frail and people that live in a great land with all sorts of provision are healthy and strong and bigger and faster and better armed for warfare. And they came back. Most of the spies came back except for two. And they said to the people, God has brought us all this way, brought us out of Egypt, brought us through this, through this terrible land. He's brought us all this way just so we can go into battle and be killed. And the people are in despair. Have you ever been there with God? Have you ever done everything you thought you were supposed to do that God would want you to do, that good Christian people will do, would do, and you find yourself in a place where you look at God and you say, now what? Now what? I did everything that I was supposed to do. I got married because good Christian people get married, and then when the marriage was hard, I stuck through it. And now look at where we are. Look at where we are. Why would I continue to do this? Why would I continue to move forward? This is far harder and taking far longer than I ever thought it would take. You ever been there? 
You try to take the job that you thought God would want you to take. You try to enter the relationship you thought God would want you to enter. You have the children because you thought that's what your God wanted you to do. And you try to make all of the right decisions that God wants you to make. Maybe you got out of a relationship. You were in a dating relationship. And you said, okay, God, this relationship does not honor you. I'll get out of this relationship so that I can move into something better. And now it's been years and that something better hasn't come. What do you do? Have you ever been in a place where you followed God's leading and you got down the road one year later, two years later, three years later, three years later, and you look back at God and say, what in the world are you doing? I followed you because it was supposed to be better, not worse. I followed you because you were going to bring provision and healing and restoration, not because you were going to make things harder. And when we find ourselves in that place, and I got to tell you, if you followed God for longer than a year or two, you've been in that place. Two things I think happened, and it happened to the Israelites as well. Look what they say in chapter 14, verse 2. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose a leader. Let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. You know, I think when we are in that spot where we choose to follow God into the life that he is calling us to, and so maybe we don't take the job that would have offered a better promotion and more money because we thought God wanted us to value our family or value that time. Maybe we go into a relationship or, or leave a relationship to try and honor God, and all that happens is things get harder and more difficult. The same way it did for the Israelites, I think two things begin to happen. And the first thing, and you can see it right there in verse 3, the first thing that the Israelites do is they begin to question God. Why in the world would God do this? We thought God knew what he was up to. That's the whole reason we followed him. Moses came into Egypt. He promised us all these great things. We were going to go and God was going to establish us. Can you imagine living in slavery for 400 years? The promise that you would have your own land and your own nation and your own place to call home. And it hasn't happened. And they begin to question God the same way you and I do. God, I thought you said this was the way to do it. I thought you said if I, we walked this way that good things would happen. And the second thing they do is the thing that we all think about sometimes. Not only do they question God, they start to look backwards. And they start to say to themselves, why don't we just go back? Life was so much better back there. Think about what back there looks like. Back there is 400 years of enslavement. Back there is 400 years of abuse and mistreatment. But you know what? At least they knew what they had back there. At least they, they knew that they could stay alive if they stayed in line. At least they knew that there would be some food no matter how meager it was. And they start rewriting the past better than it really was. 
And boy, that's something that's never changed over the last 3,500 years. You and I can still rewrite the past way better than it was. And we get to a place with God where we say, you know what, God, this is too hard. And we start to question if he even knows what he's doing. And then we start to look backwards and say, you know what, life was much better. Life was way better before I even started this thing, when I was just doing what I wanted to do. And some of us, well, all of us know people, right? We all know people who have left the faith for that very reason. They started to follow because they thought life would get better. But God said not yet. And they said to themselves, you know what? It was better before. And they go back. Some of you here this morning are pretty close to that spot. You're considering that. You're saying to yourself, maybe it was better before I followed Jesus Christ. Let me just remind you this morning, as gently as I can, that it wasn't. It wasn't. You're misremembering what it was like. Do you know how I know it wasn't better? Because you tried to get out of it by following Jesus Christ with your life. It wasn't good. If it was that great, you wouldn't have been looking for a solution. Sometimes I'll have married friends, close friends, that will say to me in frustration sometimes, oh, life was so much better when I was single. And I'll say, no, it wasn't. That's why you got married. That's why you were praying for someone to come along that you could spend your life with. It's because you were miserable when you were single. We have a, we have a tendency to remember the past better than it was. And so when life gets difficult and life gets hard, we start to question God and we want to go back. Well, Moses and Aaron, they fall on their faces before the people. And look what they say in verse 5. Moses and Aaron fall on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, those are the two spies who held true to God, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and said to the congregation of the people of Israel, The land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And here's what Moses and Aaron and Caleb and Joshua knew that the people were forgetting. There's two things that Moses and Aaron knew, that Joshua and Caleb knew, that the people were forgetting, and there's two things that they knew that you and I have a tendency to get, forget when we ask God for something and God keeps saying, not yet, not yet, not yet. And the first is this. There is preparation. There is preparation for you, of you, in the process. There is preparation in the process. God got the people out of Egypt. That happened in a moment. That happened quickly. And when you followed Jesus Christ with your life, you were saved from your sin. That happened in a moment. That happened quickly. But now there came a much longer process. Now there comes for you and for me a much longer process because God got the people out of Egypt. But you know what he still had to do? God had to get Egypt out of the people. 
God had brought them out of Egypt. That was the easy part of the two things. That was the easy one. God saved them from Egypt. God saved you from your sin through Jesus Christ. But now God had to do the much longer process of getting Egypt out of the people. And in your life and in my life, God saves us from our sin immediately through Jesus Christ. But then he has to do this much longer work through his Holy Spirit of getting the sin out of us. People wanted to go back. Think about what they had seen. We'll make comments sometimes. You know what? Well, if God parted the Red Sea for, for me, I'd believe. No, you wouldn't. Because he parted the Red Sea for those people and they didn't believe. God gave 10, gave 10 plagues in Egypt. He parted the Red Sea and they walked through it. He gave them the 10 commandments. He provided for them daily in the middle of the wilderness all the food that they needed to eat. And they still wanted to go back. God got the people out of Egypt, but he, had, he needed to get the Egypt out of them. There was still work that had to be done. And after two years, God gave them a test and said, are they ready? Has the work been done enough? And the people basically said back to God, we need more time. And so for another 38 years, the Israelites would roam and wander in the wilderness until they were finally ready to trust God into the promised land. And for us as well, there are things God has to get out of us, but there are things that God has to get into us as well. And the only way they come is by walking through the difficult and long roads that God leads us into. And sometimes God doesn't create them, but God will always use them. He doesn't will the bad things, but God will use the bad things in our lives to teach us things about himself that we could never learn otherwise. And it takes a long time, doesn't it, to get the sin out of us, because I can be saved from my sin, but it takes a long time, a lifetime, to learn not to be the selfish, prideful, greedy person that I am. That is a lifelong process, not something that happens in a moment. And God is going to use the things of this life and use the things of this world, the difficult things, the long things to put inside of us things that he could never teach us otherwise. If you're going to learn God as a healer, you have to be sick. And if you're going to learn he's a provider, you have to be poor. And if you're going to learn he's a reconciler, you have to have broken relationships. And it is going to take time for God to do that work. If he gave it to us in a moment, we wouldn't understand. There's preparation in the process. And the second thing that the people knew, that, or that Aaron and Moses knew that the people forgot, not only is there preparation in the process, but in God, or for us through Jesus Christ, what lies before us is always better than what lies behind us. What lies before us is always better than what lies behind us. I know it might be hard right now, and I know you feel like you've been wandering. I know you've been waiting for God to act, and I know that you've been waiting for God to move, and there's this thing in your mind that says, maybe this isn't all it's cracked up to be, and maybe God's not who I thought he was, and maybe I should just go back. Maybe I should leave this whole thing, because you know what? I look at the people back in Egypt. I look at the people in this world around me, and they seem pretty happy. 
They seem like they're figuring some things out. They seem like they have it all together. But you left that world and followed Jesus Christ for a reason. And the God who loves you and has saved you has something better for you than you could ever find somewhere else. So keep walking the road. Because in Christ, what lies before you is always better than what lies behind you. In the summer of 1967, a 17-year-old girl named Joni was swimming with her sister. And she climbed up onto a floating dock and she dove into the water. And almost immediately after she went into the water, she felt her head hit something hard. And her body went limp. And some of you know the name Joni Erickson Tata. She has, for the last 52 years, lived as a quadriplegic. And a couple of years ago, on the 50th anniversary of her accident, she did a number of interviews and wrote a number of articles reflecting back on five decades. You think the Israelites had it tough? They only had 40 years. She's had 50. Five decades of wondering what in the world God was doing why it happened to her, why the road had to be so difficult and so long. Joni Erickson Tata is uh, many things. She's a painter and an author, but she also started a nonprofit called Joni and Friends that has events around the globe where they hand out wheelchairs. Tens of thousands of wheelchairs have been donated and delivered, and also where they have family retreats for families who have children with special needs. They do those all over the world. And she said recently she was at one of those events, and one of the volunteers came up to her with a little child with Down syndrome on her hip, enjoying the party, and she said to her, she said, Joni, do you ever think about the fact that none of this would be a reality without your accident? Do you ever think about the fact that none of this would have happened without this long and challenging road that you've walked. In one of the articles that I read online, Joni Erickson Tata said this, I would rather know Jesus as I do in this wheelchair than to be able to walk without him. I would rather know Jesus. The only way I was able to know him at the depth in which I'm able to know him is because of this wheelchair. I would rather know Jesus as I do now in this wheelchair than to be able to walk without him. And I don't know what you're facing this morning or what you're walking through or what it is that you are praying for that God continues to say not yet over and over and over again. But I'll tell you this morning, continue to walk. There is preparation in the process. What lies ahead of you is better than what lies behind you. And I am confident, not in myself or a church, but I am confident in our God that one day if you continue to follow him and walk with him, you will look back and say, I would rather know Jesus Christ as I do right now, bumped and bruised. I would rather know him the way I do right now than to have lived my life without him. I'm going to invite our worship team forward as we close this morning. 
and just invite you, if you would, to bow your head and close your eyes with me. What is that thing you're facing this morning that you thought when you followed God that it was just going to be fixed? That there would be enough money, that the relationship would be healed, that things would be reconciled, that the right person would come along, that healing would take place. What is that thing? You thought God would have fixed it immediately, but he's not. Would you come once again this morning and trust him? God is doing a work inside of you that he could never do otherwise. He is teaching you things about himself that you could never learn otherwise. He is building you up for something great. And because of the work of Jesus Christ, what lies ahead of you is always greater than what lies behind you. So will you trust him this morning in the process? God, I thank you for the work that you are doing inside of us. God, I thank you that you do not waste anything, but through the whole process of this life, even though it's not perfect and even though it's broken, God, you are building us up and preparing us and working in and through us for all that you have for us. God, help us to trust you in that process. God, thank you that you can handle our questions, handle our longings to return. Lord, as we come before you and lay these things at your feet one more time, pray that you will move and that you will act as only you can. And through it all, we will trust you.